good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. Me, Pete. Yes, we've got me and Peter today. Mm. And we have three very special guests. Indeed. And if you listen to the podcast, you would have heard them all before. To Peter's right, we have Jalade. Which they would not know because they can't see, but... <laughs> That's why I was giving them that. <laughs> Kevin's going to keep quiet. That audio description. <laughs> How are you, Jalade? <laughs> You know, okay. We've also got Lena. Hello. <laughs> How are you today, Lena? Warm. Good. I have that effect sometimes. Anyway, wow. and we have. And we have. Look at that dream. <laughs> Come on, guys, be serious. Let's be serious about this. Let's be serious. Come on, guys, be serious. Be serious. Oh. And we have Miss Angela. Hi. How are you, Angela? I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get used to it. <laughs> Alright, so this weekend was um, Comic Con weekend. Mm. Yes. So um, Peter went, Chilade went, Moses went. Um, I didn't go because I've just not been in the mood. Fair you enough. Know? And I feel like Comic Con is always something you have to you have to be in the mood for. Well otherwise you'll never enjoy it. Have you guys been Comic Con before? Isn't that that thing you spoke about every Sunday when we were going to church? Comic Con? The thing that was on the advert? Yes. The train station? Yes. So why didn't you go? Because I just wasn't in the mood. But you spoke about it every time. I did. And that, because I love Comic Con. But I feel like if, if you're going to go Comic Con, you have to go with, with a happy heart so you can enjoy it to the fullest. And I just haven't been feeling like I've had a happy heart. Why was your heart not happy? Right? For a million reasons that I would not go Was into. it because of babes? Um, no, I don't want to expose your life. It's cool. <laughs> oh, no, we, we, we're exposing your life on the podcast. What? He's exposed. He's I, I'll, I'll have you know I have more than one baby. Thank you very much. Ooh. That's me. I'll show you that. And yet, you are still Hungarian one, isn't it? Peter, 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 Peter behave yourself. <laughs> Can we define the term babes, please? Because babes is not just if you're a female, because I feel like this dude is he tried to he's put using people that in it, word like to you are babes. Like, you know like please, my friend. <laughs> and behold, that criteria. <laughs> Robert gets <laughs> called out. You know, you're literally just a friend. Yeah, you're, like, like, you're, like, you're one of the babes. Oh, no, no, no. So, I, I mean, I'll speak on behalf of the rest really of the family. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that babes has no bearing no. whatsoever on his relationship status. He yeah. just calls anyone that he comes into contact with babes, Thank according you. to us. Thank you. Well, and I've told you that depending on whether or not he feels the same <laughs> it's different but mm. yeah. that's how we see it babes is just a term for for women females in general but anyway so <laughs> with Comic Con um, the eyes the eyes rolling <laughs> seriously with, with the Comic Con the guys mm. tried to get me to come they tried they tried to, to, to bully me to say nice things they tried to make me feel jealous not, not, not jealous very guilty. interesting interpretation of that term <laughs> <laughs> I was raised bullying yeah <laughs> Yeah, and like, mm. and like, I appreciated it, but I just didn't feel like going, mm. and I felt kind of bad because I felt like I, I felt like I was letting you down. You were. Oh. I was. Mm. But at the same time, I was like, you know, if I don't want to go, I don't want to go. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to talk about today. You know, those days when you just don't feel like getting out of bed or doing anything. Mm. Is it by force to get out of bed and do something, or are you okay to have a down day? Mm. Len seems like she has something she wants to say. No. No? Mm-mm. You sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, who wants to go first? I mean, Sorry, did you guys dress up to go to comedy? No, no? we went as such, yeah. Is that the thing that people dress up to? Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. Oh. if you want to. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's it's some absolutely. very incredible costumes. Some awards if you're like the best. That's okay. really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Would you, you have dressed, dressed up? up? 
I will eventually. Okay. I will eventually. Mm. I'm hoping to one day, but you I should. Haven't. That would be really cool. Be fun. It's it's more about finding a character that you want to push. You know, like this character. Okay. Uh, Mando. Mando. <laughs> so a lot of people looking at me like, oh, I like what you're wearing. I like, thank you. <laughs> my my brother and his friend came as well. So there was one t- when we were going to the station afterwards. We're heading back. We're just walking in a line, and then Jalai said, oh, "What did we come as?" And then one of those like boys to men. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. It was so important as well. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, my question. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to me. This is Robert's phone. This is a dead diary moment. It's always my phone, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Okay. I dictate how the conversation goes, do I not? You suggest the topic. I, I don't suggest I say this is what we're talking about. Ooh. I don't even say that, I say, if it looks good, what we're talking about. I'm very expressive. <laughs> no, be that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tame my words. No, 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 as you wish to please back to your question um so i think the point of view i might come from might be a bit different just because um you you know emotions i do have emotions i don't know so the thing is i feel like you keep saying that but you keep ignoring the fact that when you ask my wife whether or not have emotions her answer to you was that I very much do because so I don't because because as your wife that's what that's what she has to say. Well, you can't just go giving your emotions to everyone, you know. Then it's not special. But we're not just anyone. The we're your friends, Peter. Oh, no, no, we're, we're not going to get into this again because we've done this too many I times. We've done this too many times. Anyway, anyway. Maybe some people are more emotional than others, Robert. Thank you. Because I think Peter's okay. To be honest, you. I think you don't know Peter. Do. It doesn't matter. You don't know I've Peter. got the vibe. Well, she's heard me on the podcast I've got before the vibe. as well. I'm honest. No, but you're she just quite emotional. Episodes. You're an emotional guy. It's okay. Exactly. Yeah, and and I take pride in my emotionalness. Do you really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you really sure? Guys, you, don't, you haven't asked my question yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> you keep interjecting and not letting us get to the answer. Because everyone keeps throwing shots at me. Do you really want us to answer the question, Robert? Yes. Are you are you scared of what you might find? No. Are you sure? No. Okay. So. Um, I, I think, like for me, what, what I tend to do is the days that I don't want to do something, I do them all the more. Um, just because I feel like there's an element of showing mind over matter kind of thing. And, you know, my body doesn't want to do something, but my mind knows I have to. And so I do it anyway. And I, I do it especially because I don't feel like doing it. And that's, I think that's what I have from a martial arts background or from being in the military for whatever um, period of time. I think there's that element of mind over matter and, and forcing yourself to do something, even when you don't want to do it, especially if it's just because you don't feel like doing it. Okay. That's, that's my point of view anyway. Okay. So, Jalade, before you take another mouthful of that, um, so, so you are <laughs> a freelancer, so um, I guess for you, you can't have those off days, otherwise Hmm. You don't eat. <laughs> so like on those days, on those days where um, you might be feeling a bit, let me, let, me, let me take the day off. How do you go about encouraging yourself, if at all, to to, to to get out of there and do what you need to do? 
Well, first of all, you already hit the most obvious point, which is if I don't do what I do, I don't eat. Mm. First of all. And second of all... It's different motivation there. <laughs> pretty much every day counts. And mm. second of all, it's also down to the fact that I have a purpose attached to what I do that isn't monetary, that I have to, I have to fulfill. But to a certain degree, I also allow myself to have that can't be asked time. It goes with anyone in anything that you do. If you continue to allow yourself to work, 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 and you don't allow yourself to process your emotions or your energy, you will burn out. I feel like there's a slight <laughs> shot there. Is it? Oh, God. Oh. I wasn't aware that I was taking a shot. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. Mm. Um, but for real, like, yeah, most, 80% of the time, I don't allow myself to let mind get in the world of matter. Um, I literally have to do what I do because if I don't eat, it's, it's going to affect my mood even more. If I haven't got money in my account to do what I like to do with my money, then it affect my mind even more. So it's also for discipline's sake as well. Um, you're never ever going to have days where you're always good. So this day is like, for me, it's more like, what's the issue? Oh, ain't that big a deal. Been here before. Let's go. Um, but I still allow myself to take the, take that time out if I really feel like, okay, I'm not doing so well, I'm tired, or I need a moment to, to think or take a walk. Let me put this work aside for now. Like, work, my, my, my work isn't so important that the vessel that little work in has to suffer. Oh. Um, so that's how I see it. So, yeah. It's the only serious thing you get out of me tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I think Lena wanted to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm getting Maybe to I'm just waving my hands. <laughs> oh, oh, like, right. Amen. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I split it with, like, the guys first because um, I know as guys, I don't know, there's, there's almost like a pressure on us to be okay and, like, and, and, like get through the days. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. No? Is there not a pressure on females? No, no, so you... Whoa, 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 I'm going to jump into Robert's... I can't understand what he was saying. I'm, I'm going to echo what Robert said, yeah. based on the fact that if you look at how society works... Yeah. We had this conversation not too long ago when I was last here. How society works is that men are always seen, because through the way history is operated, men aren't, are allowed to be emotional. Yeah. They're supposed to be emotional. Mm-hmm. So with that logic, they're always okay. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So he's not saying that women aren't, yeah. aren't allowed, allowed to have down days, but there is a, there's a pressure, which we're breaking down now in society, mm-hmm. that says men always have to be. Because when we are, aren't feeling okay, we usually get a remark of, oh, man up. Man up, oh, yeah. Even though we don't even know what that means. Yeah. So that's where I feel Robert is coming yeah, from. That's yeah, that's Rather than <laughs> women don't have that same pressure to, to be okay. It's, well, it's, 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 it's more known that men are just supposedly meant to be okay because being emotional which is, is not something we are even though we are but the misconception is that we're not um so that's where it's coming from yeah so please he, i don't think he meant it in <laughs> yeah. the way it came across yeah, i just always ready cool. to, no, to I, jump I, I, you, I just think culture also has a big role to play um yeah your culture your race your ethnicity because if I look at it that way and I look at females and I look at it in the workplace, black females are expected to be strong. They're expected, we get the stereotypes of um, strong black women. Yes, all the time, as strong black women. We're expected mm. to hold the family down, to be single parents, to be the backbone, compared to a Caucasian person mm. who, when you are in workplaces, is allowed to cry or have an off day but when you look at that with 
a black female, um, the same perception isn't there. So I feel like just the same way that men have that perception. And to be honest, as I said, the reason why I say culture as well is because I know certain backgrounds where actually their men are encouraged to be quite emotional. In our heritage, that is not the case, which is why I agree that men have that. But I feel like there is also a pressure because we are black women to uphold and be the backbone of the family. Mm. No, I can't disagree with that. I can agree mm. with that. Definitely mm. agree. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's enough facts and statistics to prove that is an ongoing issue. Mm. Not sure. I, yeah, I sort of, I understand. I just don't feel it. I think in my, in workplace in general, I don't feel there's a different pressure on me from my Caucasian, you say you said? Or white counterparts. I feel um, it's very much based on merit and what we can all bring to the table like i wouldn't expect let's say i wouldn't say like oh because you're can i say white (laughs) oh because you're white i think it's okay for you to break down and then because you're black i expect you to be strong i think well um if i if if i can ask like what's the breakdown of the races like on on, like a managerial level in your workplace Mm -hmm. what percentage of them are white most of most of the um managers in my workplace are white and it's predominantly um, white male and actually my company is doing quite a lot to encourage um, black um, females actually to go into leadership roles because they actually created like a women in leadership um, award for to encourage us to and that's like 10 grand and you, you did pay for whatever you want to study because they want to encourage that mm. um, and also I know in our last conference they were particularly saying you know in the um, ethnic minority groups you know encouraging us to really step up um because it is predominantly like male but you know i think my company is very good at recognizing when you're doing your work and actually giving you the same um opportunities yeah. as others around but i guess that's what i feel maybe maybe someone else in my company may say different but it's just i don't feel that pressure i guess yeah. so i i respect it but i just don't feel it yeah. um yeah, I'm just thinking about me in my workplace because I know like within weddings and stuff, mm. it's or in 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 like UK, it's like predominantly white females. Mm. So and um, I don't know, I don't. I can see where they get emotional, and I'm just trying to think for the like maybe black counterparts whether they will be seen differently, and and, and like like of the white. Oh, no, of, of the black wedding planners that I do know. Yeah, I think I, I, I can give Angela I, there, there would be a bit of an expectation mm. for, for them to be a bit more ballsy or... It's weird though because I, I look at my... I think for me, I think it's a lot about character because I see a lot of um, people, you know, they are black, they're a bit, but a bit more timid and quite shy. And then you have someone that, you know, is white and is quite bold and upfront. And I'll, and I think how people react in different circumstances is going to be different at all times. Like, mm. I'll be quite concerned if my manager had an expectation of me because I was black to my colleague, you know. I don't even know how he would manage that. How would he show that? Because... Well, because I was going to ask something similar to how, how is it expressed? Um, yeah. Because you're saying, and I, I can... I can almost I, obviously I can't relate because I'm not I'm not female I haven't I can't say I've gone through it I I can see what you're saying I can 
it, it doesn't sound foreign to me, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I understand it. But then now I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm wondering how is it expressed? Yeah. So how do you feel that sort of pressure? Um, like, for me, I think more um, in, as you work, I think I'm more likely to feel maybe, like I was saying, like, I don't know if someone once, where if you're working with someone who is white, and I'm not saying this is what happens to my company in case anyone from my company happens to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what's happening. Um, Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. But I, I'm just saying, like, you know, I've been to meetings in the past outside where, you know, and I've said this before, where, you know, I'm with my white counterpart and maybe she's addressed and I am, you know, they know I manage her, but everything is directed to her, for example. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's because I come across as the weak person, they know I'm in charge. In fact, I'm quite comfortable letting you speak to her as long as I know we're going to get what we want at the end of this conversation, it's mm-hmm. fine. Like, I don't feel intimidated by that. I get that, but I've never gotten the, I expect you to react differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how that would look like, what that pressure, how that would come across, mm-hmm. I guess. So Angela, you work in a school, so where do you see these pressures in like a school setting? Especially because mm. you work in a boys' school as well. Mm. Boys' school, oh, yeah. for real? Yeah. Apologies, yeah. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a boys' school. super nice to you, like pretty teacher. <laughs> <laughs> With a shoulder move as well. <laughs> Good looking miss. <laughs> So do you think the way you, 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 you'd be treated in a boys' school would, would be different from if you worked in like an all-girls all school? Ooh. Amongst um, the students or amongst my colleagues? Both. Mm. Um, yes, just because amongst the students, of course, because the young boys try and hit on me all the time. See? For real. <laughs> the females, I'm sure, wouldn't do that. <laughs> well. You'd be surprised at this <laughs> Um, But yes, and in the school that I teach in, there is very few ethnic minorities in terms of staff. Mm. And even the way, I don't spend much time in the staff room because the way they talk about the students, even though the students are predominantly ethnic minorities, Mm. but because the staff are not, I find it very degrading. Mm. Um, And there's almost an expectation for them to fail. so a lot of the time it's just give them um, let them read and copy notes from the book mm. you know it's fine um, they don't attempt to push the students mm. or even to be honest when you grow up in a certain background you have to understand that and you have to make certain allowances and mindsets are going to be different mm-hmm. um, and those are things that you have to come into the workplace accepting and adapting mm. so whereas if you know, certain people have issues with aggression and certain people come from a certain life whereby they have to make money doing certain things. Mm. I don't condone that, but I need to first understand where you're coming from yeah. Yeah. so that I can engage you mm. on a level mm. and then transform mm. what it is you think. Mm. But if I come at you straight away from a student teacher, I'm above here, you're yeah. below there, yeah, yeah. you're going to dismiss me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of the teachers don't attempt to understand. Mm-hmm. It might not be your experience, mm-hmm. but just like Lena has said, where my experience wasn't hers, but mm-hmm. she can understand where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. you need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the Caucasian teachers dismiss Mm. the students because that isn't their experience no, yeah. it's, it's interesting because I was listening to I think it was a TED no it was a I think it was TED Anonymous or something like that where it's people sharing their stories 
um, but anonymously. And it was one lady who is a teacher as well in America in like a project area or something like that. And she was talking about how because she went through that same you know, circumstances, the same circumstances growing up and um, being in the projects, having to sell drugs or knowing people selling drugs, like having that around you gave her a different perspective on kids that she knows are from the projects. And she mentioned how the mere fact that you've got someone coming in from maybe a much more privileged background, being a teacher to some of these kids, almost the fact that you don't know where I come from immediately means nothing you say is of any relevance to me. And so that, just that, that very fact, barring any sort of interaction, there's already a big barrier that they almost don't recognise. And so none of the kids actually get treated as they should or get any sort of um, push from the teachers because they already don't think these teachers, well, these teachers obviously don't understand, but where the teachers don't recognise that, it becomes even, even worse where it's like, well, you don't recognise that you're not from where I'm from or you don't go through what I go through. Nothing you say is of any relevance to me. It's actually interesting that you, you see the same... Well, I guess it, it gives power to the fact that it's true, that you see the same thing. Mm. I would say, though, just going back on what you said, I think the expectation, if it's going to come from anywhere, in terms of, you know, you're a black female, I expect like, you to be quite strong and to have a certain reaction to things. I think in my experience it has generally come from black women, like other black women. Mm. In a situation, let's say, you can have something that, oh, come and go, we don't behave like this, or we don't let these kind of things bother us, or mm. we don't let these, you know. Um, so I have experienced that where maybe a black person might have a general expectation of me based on how they were brought up, which can be sometimes quite stern, you know, not processing emotions or just deal with things and move on and so if I'm maybe looking more volatile in some situations they'll be like come on you know this we don't we don't break down over these kind of things um so I get that more than just even like general, looking at even look, yeah. looking at families like it's very not not very but like you can see like a difference in the way like a mother will raise her daughters as opposed to her sons mm. in um in, in a sense that I don't know there's a way boys are babied, but by, by the mothers that... Pardon? <laughs> they are babied, oh my really? gosh, yes they are. Oh, okay. Generalisation. Seriously. I didn't get that. <laughs> very dangerous generalisation. I'm not sure if all boys are, but... A very dangerous generalisation. Last boys, maybe? <laughs> Last in the Last family? Last born in general. Last born. Okay, let's debate, because, because the girls are saying yes, you... you you guys are saying no. No, I agree. It's, I think I would generalise, but maybe and in my experience... Generalisation and also, I think it's... Whilst, whilst it's not anyone's fault that we generalise, we're always looking at it from our own, our own, our own, our own experience. experience. Yeah, so yeah, as a woman, yeah, you could yeah. be right in saying that because it looks that way to you compared mm. to how you were brought up, right? Mm. Which is fine. I'm not here to argue about that. My mm. thing would be that um, I can't say I was baby. Not at all. But again, that's just my experience. I'm not mm. going to be like... Because I was raised up in an unbabied way, it doesn't mean that... Mm. My brother no, wasn't raised. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was babied. Yeah. You know, because mm, um, he was the last. He's the last boy. Yeah. Mm. So and his experience of, of life was totally different to me. Mm. Um, so I'm looking at him like it's no one's fault. It's just how it whatever time your period you're raised in and the, and the context surrounding mm. you're raised in dictates how you were raised. Mm. Okay, how the family is is how the family would yeah. you know. Mm. And I know you've got a sister. I know you've got at least one sister. One sister. One sister. Mm. Could you comment on? <coughs> your observations about how you were raised 
compared to your sister, if anyway? Again, I was the first child. So for me, any, anything after me was given a more lenient kind of sentence, for lack of a better word, um, to use. So, and she's the only girl in the family. So again, her experience of of being raised was like, I'm the only one here that's like my mother. Mm. Um, anything I know about being a woman, I learned from my mother. So we're raised differently completely. Um, <clears throat> I would argue she was babied to a certain extent because she's the only girl, but she was never spoiled. She was still very, my mother was a very, is a very hard woman um, and a very kind woman at the same time. So, and we were raised in Nigeria, so again, it's about environment. Raised in Nigeria, raised in London, two different places. When she came here, my sister was a lot more spoiled and wayward in the sense that she didn't necessarily know how to control certain aspects of her that were, were allowed in Nigeria. So you know what Nigerians are like, we can be very, we say what's on our mind, we don't really care. When she came here, that got her in a lot of trouble in school. Because mm. like, I don't like you, do you like that kind of stuff. So she was getting beat <laughs> up in school and she learned the hard way. She didn't get arguments from my mother with, with, her, with the same mouth and I'd be between them like, do you want to live tonight? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Like you don't, not everything you hear you must reply to. Mm. That kind of thing that she learned and now she's more, again, but that kind of culture is something that in Nigeria women are, and are allowed to be like in the sense that you don't cross a Nigerian woman because she will, she will tell you. Even wives are scared of husbands are scared of their wives in Nigeria <laughs> to a certain degree. That you know, as much as they is still patriarchal in Nigeria on a, on a massive scale, Nigerian women, which is where the fault lies in the sense that when they say black strong black women, it comes from this culture in which black women, because we're seen to speak out about things, it must mean we're inherently strong. No, we, they speak out because there's injustice doesn't mean they're strong they're just tired okay so my sister i'd argue where where she's more refined now i want to say she's docile because i say she's docile to say she was an animal or something before you know what i'm saying <laughs> which she wasn't she was just young impetuous and i was raised differently as, as the first son and technically the only man in the household mm. so i wasn't baby because i was the only one that could be responsible for people below me when the parent wasn't around okay. so now for men who are raised in a family where both parents are there. Not that they're more babied, it's more a thing where everything, there's, there's technically no pressure to be raised in any particular way because you have both head, figureheads of the family and you're allowed to be a kid until you're meant to be an adult. So the way you're raised is, is a more standard rate of growth compared to just being to a single parent who needs you to take on extra responsibility when they don't have enough um, time to do the things they'd love to do for you. So... <clears throat> I, I just, I'm, I'm the kind of person that when I look at a situation, I, I like to, 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 to try and break it apart first to actually understand rather than say, because I used to be of the same volition of that must be it for everyone. And you know, look at my experience, that's not the case, so therefore it can't be the same for everyone else. Um, okay, so Jalada, you're the oldest son. Uh-huh. <coughs> Danny, you are oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, have you found your experiences have been different, if any? Do you feel like you were babied or there were great responsibilities on your shoulders? Well, I think it's different for me because I was brought up in Sierra Leone. So I wasn't brought up by my parents for the first 10 years. So in the context of Sierra Leone, I was really babied. So I was the youngest in Sierra Leone. So I was the eldest. I'm the eldest of my siblings. But in Sierra Leone, I was the youngest of all my cousins. So I was really spoiled, actually, up until 10. (laughs) Mm. Um, And when I came to London... I don't think, I think because I was then just me and my mom for the first time trying to gain a connection. It wasn't, there wasn't no pressure or anything like that. And my sister's quite close age, just me. So it's 
quite the same. My brother, I think my mom's parenting style changed. This is why I think also as the years go by, our parents learn different things. You know, maybe whatever they thought they had to be super strict with us, and then by the time they've learned that doesn't work, the shouting is not always the best way to go um, sometimes. So I think her parenting child has changed so much to my brother that she's using such different methods with him that we're like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> it's are you not doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it's working, you know? So it's not just one way that works, it's working remarkably well. So it looks so different to us, but it, you know, it's just a different method. I think she's softened as well. I think she was, before she was parenting, how she was parent, how she was parented, how she yeah, was raised, yeah. 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 And I think she's come into her own parenting style and it's quite soft. It's much softer than how she was raised. So, mm. Yeah. Angela, you've got you. Let me get this right, because I, I don't actually know this. I know you've got two brothers. Are they both older than you? Yes. Come on. <laughs> and <laughs> technically, you didn't get it right. You asked, <laughs> but I asked the right question. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got two older brothers, mm-hmm. and but you're the only girl. Mm-hmm. So how so? How how have you seen that dynamic in the way you're brought up with your mom? Do you, do you feel like there was a difference in, in, in like how she was with you, with your brothers? Do you think she was stricter, more lenient with you? I mean, in my house, I would say with the youngest, you either have, um, especially the youngest female, they were either spoiled or they were the house girl. I feel like those are two big dynamics that you tend to get. Um, obviously, there will always be exceptions. I would say I veered more to the house girl role. Um, my brothers would disagree. I was a daddy's girl and they were mommy's boys. Um, so yes, my, my relationship with my mum, although I was the only girl, so predominantly she was the one that raised me. However, because I was a daddy's girl, it was all a bit conflicted. It was all a bit, yeah, my household was very separate growing up. So from my mum, it was house girl. From my dad, it was, you know, princess. princess. Mm-hmm. But it was princess in secret, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want my mother to know. So it was in, in secret. And I felt like for me, as I was the last born, as you know, Lennox said and other people have alluded to, parenting styles change. I felt like by the time it got to me, it was almost and forgive my phrasing, but it was almost been there, done that. Mm. So whereas my parents would go to things with my brothers, by the time it got to me, they didn't do that. So things that I was excited about, because it was my first time, they would send the boys. Mm. And whereas the boys were not interested, because they don't really care. They're not my parents. They don't care about my parents' evenings. They don't care about my little performances. So I think for me, there was a gap, because a lot of things I didn't experience with my parents, because they sent my brothers mm. and so eventually I became very independent because I realised my brothers weren't interested anyway so I might as well just do my own thing mm. and be excited for myself mm. you know yeah that's so sad <laughs> but, even, but coming back I mean bringing it back into the question of this down day thing I feel like being raised differently still doesn't stop the same issue from coming up which is the fact that there's there are still pressures on people to not be down mm. and isn't that and i find that quite interesting mm. that you can be raised so differently and yet everybody has the same universal problem mm. like p and so, i were talking earlier mm. about this adult thing 
mm-hmm. you know, what it means to be an adult. And mm-hmm. no one has the key, no one understands. In fact, a lot of my past conversations this year with different people have been around this, what are we doing and how are we doing it? Mm-hmm. And someone said, well, maybe, maybe it was you or someone that said it in the last 24 hours that, yeah, a friend said it to me yesterday, um, car ride, he was like, if we knew what we were doing, it would have been, we'd know by now, like all these 80 year olds who are still trying to find their way in life, would, they'd, we'd just be copying them, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it ended alludes to the point that for all this awareness that we're raising of issues to be patriarchy and, and mis, mis, misunderstood notions of masculinity and stuff as well, that why haven't we, why haven't we as a global community become less hard on people that don't know what they're doing or that are down we're always talking about it why hasn't it become a mass a mass appeal thing because that's not what makes the world go around so but that would then infer that you know what makes the world go around and do we know that do we really know what that is so my question is how much of it is like um because it almost sounds to me every time this conversation comes up as if the the argument is being made for staying in your sorrow or staying down or, or wallowing in you know when you're not feeling great how much of it is trying to encourage you to come out of that and how much of that is accepted with you know with, with the style of conversation that we're having yeah i don't know if that makes sense no it's, yeah. a, it's a good question um pretty much echoing what, what, what the point was which is are people literally allowed to, to embrace what they're going through. Like, one thing I, that I hear a lot, not, not, uh, uh, not towards me, but in general, is that there's always someone out there whose situation is worse than yours, so... <laughs> so I, I, I never... I, like I can't... Yeah, I can never take I used, I used to live, pleasure I, in I, that. To be honest, I used to use that as a way to get over my own issues. Mm. Um, and because, again, I think I'm blessed in the sense of where I was, where I was raised. When I was in Nigeria, there's a lot of things that I went through as a kid living across different parts of Nigeria that when I come, when I when I look at the hardships here I'm just like oh boy you've been through worse like, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> and I'm like yeah I have and there are many people who are still going through it and that was, for a while that was okay but then again looking at the fact that the older you get as an, as an adult it doesn't get any easier and that sometimes isn't enough to deal with that issue or whatever you're going through and that's why I'm thankful for so most of us are poets here and Kelo Gibran, um, the prophet, there's a line in the book in which he said, I think it was either that old sand and form, in which he said, but you have really felt your pain. What you haven't done is felt, felt all that you are beyond your pain. And that for me is a, is a huge, was a huge right, like left hook for me in a sense. He's the guy, he was the guy, in the sense that whenever we're going through something, because an, an, another poet said in another book, Let Us To A Young Poet, he, he said, um, no, Alan Watts, I think Alan Watts said it. He said, you have to allow yourself to process that thing you're going through. If you try and run away from it, that's a problem. You have to allow yourself to process it to the point that it becomes a dull ache. Because by running away from it, you're, you're intensifying that pain. It comes back harder and harder and harder. But when you allow yourself to feel it, to reason through it, that's why emotional intelligence is important, you find the issue and you know you can see it for what it is. You're like, okay, that's what it is. You're, le- you're not as fearsome as I thought you used to be. And then it becomes this thing, you're like, cool, you're dealing with it. But we're not taught to do that. We're not taught to face things really. We're taught like, nah, it's nothing. I'll put it down. No, it is something. Talk about it. Deal with it. 
right? But also remember that there's life outside yeah. of that situation. So it's there, but you have a life to live. Hence why you get up to do what you have to do mm. that day that you're feeling down because, you know, you allow that pain to subjugate you to, into being a victim. And then that day goes by and then the agenda you should have fulfilled is now gone to waste and added onto the next day's agenda, piling it up, it becomes a, a it becomes too much eventually, right? It's almost like science in a sense, but we're not encouraged enough to think that way. Not that it's easy to think that way and to then start implementing it, but the home front especially, especially when it comes to, again, I, I can only speak from my experience and maybe, and maybe our experience as Africans, it's not something we're taught to do. It's like, hey, pray about it. Go to church or don't worry, it's fine. They don't say, sit, let's talk. Or, you know, and even then it's like, do they allow you to get to the crux of it without them throwing in a Bible verse, which is sometimes useful, but what you really want from that person is the human interaction that allows you to bring it all up. I think um, it's, it's really important to um, process, like, I'm not advocating for staying down because I think that's easy to do. You can quite easily dig yourself into a hole the more you think about things. But I think it's so necessary to be able to process things, but to know when to stop because as well you can keep processing things until it then consumes you like for example you can talk and talk and talk and talk your way and you can remain in that sadness by always talking about the thing as well so for me like for example there was a time when I was going through a lot and I decided I said I'm going to go and get myself counseling I'm going to do counseling for six weeks <laughs> and then I'm going to allow myself time to talk about this and then um, it came to a point where I was feeling very good, like myself again. And I could continue with the counselling, but I told my counsellor now it's time to stop because I found if I continued going to counselling and just talking, I was now the talking was now just taking me back into it. So whilst I found it so useful up until that point, it was then if I continued, then I'm just going to start wallowing now. So I had to stop. I think one of the things I learned is just giving myself really good tools like when I'm in those positions. Sometimes I just want to be in bed and that's okay. Just being in bed one day doesn't mean that I, you know, I've got wasted everything. But I just can't stay there. I think for me it's knowing little things I can do like text someone because sometimes even in those times that's when you feel like even though you have all the friends in your face on your phone, who am I going to text? And it feels like there's no one I can talk to. Just making yourself send someone a message, not even saying, "Oh, I'm feeling so rubbish." Just say hi. Because then their response might take you out of it. Watch something. Something as little as that could turn your mind. Because your mind could have gone to such a deep place. And then you're like, just get out of bed. Something as simple as that could just get, you know, will help you. Just get out of bed. Go to the gym. Go and work out. And that could turn your mind. You know, have some really practical things you can do. And then, you know, once your mind turns, then you can even go back and say, why was I feeling that way? I I have to say as well, um, because there's, I read this somewhere. I've, I've watched it or listened to it somewhere about how um, like it's almost a luxury that we have to be depressed if that makes sense in the sense of if you go to some places and you, you know it came because you mentioned how sometimes or, or you mentioned you know someone's situation could always be le- uh, worse mm-hmm. I think it was an Asian person who lived like in the slums or something and he was talking about um, I think it was making it out making it to America or something and you know, they're, they're depressed about whatever it is. And it's like, yo, I lived in a place where I wasn't guaranteed a place to sleep. Mm. I wasn't guaranteed if I found a place to sleep, not to be molested whilst I sleep. Mm. I wasn't guaranteed, while not being molested, to wake up and still be safe. So it's like, that then becomes a much more present, much more, 
um, imposing issue than my mental health. And that's not to play it down, but I think there's an element of luxury in uh, afforded in, in, in spending so much time on these things, or, or, or at least here in the West. Well, where there is so much so more available to us. I think it's, it's the context, though. I think. It's, relativ it's relativity, yeah. though, isn't it? So it's, it's, it's down to this, uh, that same thing of... Um, well, I, I say that then to then say that you don't... Like, I, I remember growing up in Ghana, and you... Not to say you don't hear about it, but you don't see people depressed. You don't hear it in my country, mate. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to some extent, it's not, because, it's not just because people don't talk about it. Uh -huh. it's not, I don't think it's just because of that. Because you would see, I would see people going through stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I would see it going through that. And so, somehow, you're able to still wear a smile because you're, you're able to make it through. And, and that's why maybe to me, there's a, an element of what fake you would... Fake it till you make it? Sorry? No, not fake it till you make it. Not at all. Not at all faking it till you make it. But realizing that it's... I don't know if it's saying having a, um, have, making sure your ability to do whatever you need to do is of a higher priority than being upset and being sad and being down about it, if that makes sense. Like, to me, it's, it's just... It's, I just think of it differently because of what I've seen where it's like... If some, like, I think of some of the things I saw in the Eastern region growing up as a kid, and it's like, if that person was here, they'd be like going to counselling or, or not, not, not to say anything, but it would be something where it's an excuse to not do anything else, if that makes sense. But then every morning they would get up and they'd go about the day and you can see joy in them. You can see them getting on with it because you have to get on with it. Well, and there's no time but then, to, be, to be up, to be impressed I, about I, I, it. I'd argue that you may see the joy but they may not be feeling joy inside. Like that could just be the mask that they're wearing. Do we really know? So I get your point, Pio. Mm. But do we really know the truth of, of any one situation? Is, is no, a, a because you're, you're not going through it. No, we're not. You're not going through it. Also, yeah. I would argue mm. that there are some people in the world who don't know that they're depressed. Yeah, I, and just because they don't, it doesn't mean there's not trauma there for them to deal with, just could, because they're not living in it. But then the same you know? thing is, the presumption is being made that they are. No, the presumption is being made, but I'm never going to go to an be like, everyone in this country is depressed, because like, I've been to a country where they've identified what signifies depression. And they have who some. am I? Like, I didn't know what depression was until like, to me a couple of years ago. I was like, wait, the same? Huh? Okay, that's depression? Oh, interesting. Have I felt that? No, not really, but I've felt elements of it. So for me, it was more like, Okay, I'm in this country where they are more cohesive enough as a community to talk about these things and help you identify that there are, there's a name for something. Because in Nigeria, depression could mm. be, um, I, I don't know, you know, because you know, in prayer circles, the spirit of downtroddenness, you know, if you, just, you know, just to give it some sort of um, comedic um, attachment. But my thing is like, I, I've, whenever I've gone back to Nigeria, for example, to, to, to see friends and to do work and stuff, and I hang out with people and they tell me what they're going through, whenever they tell me stuff, I'm just like, well, in my country, well, I say my country, over here, they, that'd be a depression thing. But in there, it's just like, I don't know. It's just for them, it's pressure. It's mm -hmm. invisible pressure. You know? So, like, their way of dealing, it is, is dealing with it is just working. Yeah. Now, the problem with that, that maybe a lot of people in those communities where they haven't got services to help with that is that you work you said something that was, that was interesting you work you want to do something to, to you know to alleviate the mood or something mm -hmm. there's a problem with that in my opinion no you shouldn't do it especially when you're working if you use work as a distraction the quality of your work is not assured especially when you're going through that issue mm -hmm. 
I would argue that if you're going through something that's really turbulent in your soul, right, you don't do your, your life's work in that moment. You've got to put that aside. Because you're, you're, you think you're, you're, yeah, I'm going to work. I guarantee you, more often than not, that the outcome of that work would not be what you, what you desired for yourself. Because you weren't processing. Now, if you're taking a walk to distance yourself from that, that's different, mm. right? But that's what a lot of people in places like Africa do. We don't sit down to, to deal with it. Mm. Again, first, again, we're repeating ourselves. The home front isn't a place you can do that. The church is ne- not always that helpful. Mm. If you're lucky, your church is very in tune with that kind of thing. And your friends aren't, haven't necessarily got time for you in that because everyone's out there just trying to work to eat. So what do you end up doing? You run back to the same thing that you've been doing every day. Mm. Work. I, okay. I Firstly, I think I wasn't trying to say work. No, I didn't I don't say you work. I didn't say you. I didn't yeah. say you. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't just mean, to clarify. This is yeah. real. No, I didn't but say I think, that. Yeah. I think it's very important. Like, in the culture, it's very different. Like, when I go um, back home, for example, it's very different. If something happens with my cousin, it, the mindset is almost just keep going. Like, just just get it going. And it works. Like, people, you go through something. Some of my cousins are going through quite terrible things. But it's not like... It's almost like you don't have time to sit down and think, let this thing get to you. There's so much to do. There's things to find. There's a grind, basically, that people are on, essentially. And I came with that approach of, oh, my gosh, this is so... It's like, no, no, no. They didn't even want to hear that kind of approach because, like, we don't have time to get into that kind of mindset. So the other time I was thinking, is... Is it because we acknowledge depression here in this kind of country mm. that we almost give people room to go more mm. into like these things? The, the, the thing I but, think about is like there's something about giving something a name that gives it power, mm, like yeah, it, that yeah. makes it much more significant than maybe it should be. In my opinion, that's how sometimes I feel about some of these. But, don't you think but that doesn't mean you have without to a label, things to identify them. Yeah, and just because it doesn't have a name doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't more? exist. Me, me and labels. Good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I get what you mean, though. I, I do get what you mean. And, and that's why um, I do struggle with the idea because for me, there's something to learn from, from that, from when we didn't know what this was, how did we deal with it, and was it effective? And to some extent, like from what I've seen, it was effective. Well, well how would we deal with well, something we didn't did have we a name deal for? With it? Well, this is the thing, because we didn't have we a didn't name for it, it didn't have power over No, us. no, I, I think that's an argument based on a, on a nuclear level. Because because no one was talking yeah. about it, we seem to be dealing with it rather than the fact, rather than the belief that internally, secretly, we were all dealing with an issue we had no yeah. solution for. Yeah. Because the argument is just people back home. It's not that they don't have these issues. It's mm. that no one is acknowledging. No one's saying. No one's oh, giving let's it talk. a name. You know, no one's giving it a name. Because you, you, know you say giving it something a name. It doesn't mean they can't benefit yeah. from it. It gives yeah. it power. Yeah. Yeah. But I also argue yeah. that giving something power, give power. a name gives us power over it. Yeah. We know what you are now. Yeah. That's it. So it's no, I see both. I see both sides. Yeah, of you. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. Mm. It's more a thing where, oh, what's the thing that's killing people? Oh, yes, like cancer, cancer. Ah, now we know what it is. Let's find yeah. out a way to kill it. Yeah. Mm. But then you see, this is this, this is one of the things with something like like I hear mental health being thrown around a lot, mm-hmm. um, and and this is one of the things like you can't really diagnose it if that makes sense. It's 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 almost like Big Bang. It's like a bunch of theories. It's a bunch of obviously there's. Um, where it's like uh, hormones and, and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that because that's obvious when your ho- when your serotonin or whatever it is isn't being produced because of glandular issues. There's medicine for that. But where it's it's just stuff like stuff that careful be <laughs> this is careful I think no no I think you do need to be careful because I think you can have you can I, have someone who's clinically depressed okay mm. yeah you've mm. been diagnosed as depressed like what you're saying mm. your 
I don't know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the criteria is to be clinically depressed. And then that you can have people that feel depressive symptoms. So mm. like, I'm not clinically depressed, but I feel really down. I, I'm more careful now to say, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed because I know I've never felt well, depression. Mm, mm, but yes. to some extent, I've been depressed in my own No, in my fair, own way. legit um, train of thought. I would still bring it back to the medicine argument, which is when you feel symptoms of something, do you wait for it to come full-blown sickness before you treat it? When you get the symptoms of a flu, don't you go and take antibiotics to prevent it going all the way? But so, doctors wouldn't prescribe you medication at such a level, really. I think for, they for depression, but, they really wouldn't. But they the would always they, encourage they, they, they wouldn't say medication. Mm. Yeah, therapy, things you can do. Isn't yeah. therapy also sort of medical treatment? Yeah, I guess they will, they will give you tools to help you manage it. So yeah. if you feel like you're sinking in a hole, which every one of us can feel, mm -hmm. the only thing is, okay, I, this is an example. I think, let's say if there was a girl I saw that she had been diagnosed on YouTube with this um, mental health diagnosis, and I think what she then did was she made her whole identity around it, right? Mm. So her life became, I am this with this. So then she changed everything. Oh, I do this because I have this. I do that because I have this. Um, and to some extent, it showed that she didn't even understand her own diagnosis because mm. then she, she just, it really consumed her. Mm -hmm. And then there was someone else with the same diagnosis who acknowledged that, okay, that's a part of me, but there's so much more about mm -hmm. me. And they just actively got out. I think sometimes it could be easier when you almost feel like, now this is me. Mm. Um, mm. I am depressed. I mm. am this person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No, I get you. And this. I understand that sometimes mm. people, it's really hard. Whether you feel like, oh, no, I am depressed, it's sometimes definitely just hard to get out of it. Mm. But I feel like once you acknowledge it, you can get tools to help you yeah. to mm. go out of it. Mm. And depression with medication, for example, medication is not always the answer something like talking therapy may not even be the answer no but medication medication is a broad term people i don't mean medication in terms of the application of, of an actual medicine i mean so anything to help anything treat to help whatever what, you're going medica through medication is pretty much mm -hmm. that yeah. anything that helps treat okay. an issue yeah my thing is also i, I agree with you in terms of people saying that mm. that they they, they they tailor their lives to you know, be around this particular thing but People are different, right? People mm. react differently to medication. Yeah. You know, yeah, some people yeah. are addicted to paracetamol, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. though they have no, there's no pain. But I believe I have pain. Pop a paracetamol. It's like a placebo effect, isn't mm. it? So like, some people are unfortunately hooked on a diagnosis yeah. because of what it affords them. It affords them a bit of slack. There are certain ways to medicate those people too for them to get out of that. Whether they get access to that is a whole different question because you can medicate someone, but if someone doesn't want to be weaned off it. They're not going to be weaned off it. Mm -hmm. We're going to put, do we put them in a straight jacket and put them in rehab for something that they're convinced that they have. People's the biggest sickness, right, for people is their mind, or the biggest source of sickness is their mind, because it's so vast you can convince yourself of anything, despite what experts might tell you. Okay, they don't understand me. They, they, they don't understand me. Yeah. That's the biggest argument you hear from a depressed person, mm -hmm. who might be really depressed, and maybe medicine and all its progress still hasn't gone far enough to really understand the length that depression can take someone to. Maybe. These are all hypothetical mm. arguments that I'm bringing out right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm not making an excuse for anyone. I'm, I'm just saying how, looking at, I've had friends who called me up middle of the night, I can't take it anymore, I jump off this bridge and I have to go and find them on that bridge to be like, yo, what's going on? Because just yesterday and every day since, you've been posting stuff on Facebook about how you're living the life right now, blah, 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 blah. So if I couldn't tell, you know, does that mean a doctor, what kind of eyes has a doctor got to see beyond, you know, my experience of you? They're not going to look at me like, hmm, depression. 
It's not like that. Conversations are what tell in the end, right? So I, I'd argue that therapy, right, counseling, is actually the best sort of medication before a tablet is administered. Because some people just go to the doctor. Like on the train right here, I saw a, 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 a banner, which something to do with, like, if you're feeling uh, anxiety, here's a short relief tablet. Calms. Yeah, it's calms, for, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. For, for short-term, for, you know, one short-term relief. I looked and I thought, Okay, nice leap in you know, medicinal history for people who do suffer anxiety attacks or things like that. But on the biggest scale, I'm like, so you're not even going to give them the chance to talk about what they're anxious about? You're just going to go and say, get a tablet before you even talk. Because people are like, already scared enough to talk about things. So you cut out the talking and say, go, go buy a tablet. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, but it, it, there's so many, there's so much. It's a, it's a loaded thing when you come to this depression argument about giving it a name and partially random question. Go on. Lena, did you pay for your counselling? Yeah. Okay. It was private. It wasn't like I was diagnosed with anything. I because you know I was going through quite a um, there was a lot going on with friends and quite big things happening, and then dad died. So I chose to put things in place because I know myself. I know when I was feeling a certain way. I know before I thought, oh, counseling's not for me. But then I thought, let me give it a go. Let me give it for six weeks. I was very specific. I went, found a counselor. I spoke to someone and they directed me to someone. And I went um, until I felt like, I feel like myself again. I don't need to continue rehashing what's happened. Mm. And I stopped. So um, I thought it was quite a useful tool. I was quite mm. happy with how I used it for me. Mm. That's just for me anyway. Mm. But I just want to clarify my um, point of view on this in case <laughs> once again, anyone in my place are listening to this. <laughs> I really, um, I don't know much about mental health, but I feel, um, I think it's absolutely possible for people to, Christians included, and I want to be specified in saying Christians included because I know sometimes Christians think we're exempt from these things. Um, I think it's possible for someone to be depressed. I think um, when necessary, some people need to go on medication. I'm not saying go on medication. I think um, sometimes, you know, there are tools that are going to help you out there. I don't necessarily think every time you're sad, it means you're depressed. I don't think every time you're down, it means you're depressed because, you know, we're humans. We're going to feel a range of emotions. Sometimes you're going to be down and you just have to allow yourself to be down or feel what's happening and then just, you know, speak to someone or maybe and then allow yourself to get back up again. I think sometimes we're too quick to diagnose things as well. So we can be like, oh, I'm depressed just because you're down doesn't mean you're depressed. So sometimes you just have to allow yourself to feel things, talk with someone and then get up again. Like depression is so severe. Okay, there's different scales of it. There's different different levels of depressions, right? That I think sometimes when we're just like, oh, I'm depressed. We don't even know the depth of what we're saying. Like, you know, I'm depressed. Mm. You could be yeah. depressed. Some people do overuse that term. Yeah. Mm. But I do think even with that term, it is important to, like, I'm an advocate for... I'm not saying define yourself by labels, but I am an advocate for having labels and identifying things so that you know how you can treat your your situation or what is available to you. Because mm. I know there was a, a stage in my life where I was going through a lot and um, one of my friends I was talking to was like, you know, and you haven't processed this. And I was of the belief like, there just isn't time. I would love to, honestly, but 
by the time I sit down to process this, there's another one, and then there's that one. And unfortunately, life does not stop for me to process this. So things are just going. And because I'm one of those people that just kept getting up to do things because I just didn't have time. It was like, it's not that I don't want to, I just don't have time. Um, So I thought I was fine because, yes, I wasn't lying in my bed because, yes, I wasn't not talking to anyone. I was still functioning. I was still doing things. So I thought I was a-okay. But when I speak to a friend later on, he used to describe that as my dark days. And I said, really? And he was like, yeah. The only way I could explain it when you'd ask me how I was, I would just say there's nothingness. That was the only word I knew how to explain it. I wasn't happy, I wasn't sad, I wasn't anything. Mm, It was just a place of nothingness. Mm. But because, as I said, I wasn't in bed, I was still getting what I needed to get done, done. I didn't think I had an issue. And I didn't think anything was wrong. Um, Or at least I thought I was dealing in an okay way. Mm. I thought the way I was dealing was functional and it was okay. Um, Until it wasn't. Mm. Until, yeah... I kept going long enough to make myself sick and end up in the hospital. Mm. And I realised that that there was a lot wrong, but because we are taught to see depression as you're sad and you're crying, and that is not all it encompasses. No, you can be Um, high-functioning and depressed. So there's a lot of people where you like you you met you you then get busy because i feel so sad because i feel so shallow i'm doing 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 and you can be high functioning and depressed and no one would ever know um yeah yeah Mm. and i think i i kept using that word nothingness Mm. and later on when i was just like online and looking through the dictionary and i came across the word apathy Yes. And when I read it, I that's was like, yes, that is, yes, <laughs> that's exactly that's it. it. <laughs> I was in a state of apathy. That was it. Yes. I read it and I said, completely. Yes. No, that's I have an insane history of that word. As, as, as do many, do. many men. You said it. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, apathy was probably when I, I, I look back on apathy. I had, I had about three years of that, of being apathetic as a young, as a young adult purely because I didn't understand life. <laughs> and when I look back on it, I see that as a huge symptom of what maybe was depression for yes, me as a kid. Because I didn't know about life and what I was going through. Sorry, I so I just went into a I went into a cold state. I didn't care. And I was burning everything and everyone. Yes. Um, metaphorically speaking. And I think apathy <laughs> can be almost more dangerous than depression it, or feeling it was it's stuff. very de- dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know the time when I said I put the thing in place? I reckon there was a time I was walking to church and I'm like not excited about church but that's okay because it's not all the time and then i recognized this feeling of not feeling nothing mm. was becoming a lot like mm. i was not feeling a lot and i remember saying to my pastor's wife i, I was in the in my church kitchen crying because i was like i feel like i don't feel anything at all like i don't feel anything and it's not because things weren't going on i just couldn't feel anything and then if someone was crying in front of me i would react i know what to do but i just wasn't feeling anything so i had disconnected so much mentally and emotionally that i just wasn't feeling nothing at all and then i was like no i can't do this and so one day i was sat with someone very very close to me actually in my kitchen and they were going through something similar and then they said i feel like i don't feel anything at all i'm like i've been there i know what this feels like this complete apathy and then we were able to talk about it because it was triggered by something else Sometimes when our minds don't want to feel the intense pain or something that we're going through, we just block it off to deal with it. I feel like that's what I was going through. So, yeah. 
and I think something you said was very like very telling. So like your your friend came and told you she was feeling like this. Yeah. I feel like we need to tell people when we're feeling or not feeling anything. <laughs> Why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> oh, no, just <laughs> no. Yeah, it's it, it's important. Like like we've been saying to have these conversations because one, someone else would might might, might have gone through it, so they can so so you've got someone who can like empathize with you because mm. I feel like. Mm. There, are, um, there are times you feel like you don't want to talk because you feel like the person you're talking to hasn't been through what you're going through so they can't understand what you're going through so like the advice they're giving is coming from a place of not knowing but even then it's not always to talk to someone to get something back sometimes there's people that's what counsellors are kind of for most yeah, of the yeah. time just, you just talk so they can listen mm. and facilitate your thinking process till you find your own solution sometimes mm. I actually got trained as a counsellor and that was like something someone said like mm. during the training like you're not there to provide a solution. Advice, no. yeah. You're there to provide a, a listening. Yeah, safe space yeah. to just mm. talk. Can, can I like, ask yeah. a question? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm of the impression that all of us are Christians. Mm-hmm. Is there an issue with the fact that we've talked an hour, two hours maybe about depression and there's been no mention of God's role in healing us of that at all? I noticed that. And the thing is, I, was, I didn't find a problem with it based on the fact that, if anything, it, points to the fact that a lot of the church environments that we grow in don't necessarily cater to that. But then what about us as Christians not being able to have any reference for God in this? Like, I'm talking of us individually here now as Christians mm. not being able to have any reference of God dealing with this uh, with I think Christian. that for, like, a lot of us, mm. um, like, well, like, within, like, our circle anyway, so, like, we know who God is. We know that when we're going through something, that to run to God is the answer. Wait, but you, even saying that without making it sound default, like, like the default, because what you just said, as much as I agree with you, sounds like something like, oh yeah, but you know, God's got. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and like I say that, um, because when we were talking about Comic Con stuff mm. in like the group chat, God wasn't something that came up. Mm. And and I feel like <laughs> got that comic, and I feel like that wasn't something that had, that that, that like needed to be said mm. because because we all knew that already mm. sort of thing. But then this I is, this is something to else. Say, yeah. Um, so it's not so much. I think I think our conversation. I looked at practical. You know, outside I just thought, oh, we're all Christians. But in, inside me, I was thinking. I think your faith is so important in everything like i did think this one of the key things that got me through everything was my faith Mm. but i didn't i think everyone has a different thing some people you will approach god saying oh god you know heal my depression or deliver and i absolutely believe god can do that of course there's testimonies of god bringing people out of depression Of, of course i feel like for me when i was sad i more invited god into my sadness i wasn't like oh my gosh god take me out of it right now it was i didn't want to stay in it but i didn't feel like god or the spirit of god was trying to pressure me as well lena get out of this it was more i was allowed to be sad i was allowed to weep in front of god i was allowed to be to moan and cry um and pour out my heart to god and as much as i needed to it wasn't like oh my gosh you need to get out of this um i don't think god was encouraging me to be you know 
depressed. In fact, I think some of the things that happen where supernaturally someone will just text me at my lowest point mm. or God will send someone to my house mm. Mm. to just come and knock mm. for me. Mm. I think God is sovereign. He's not like, you know, our emotions are not going to weigh him down. I feel like he was able to carry me. He sat there with me. I could weep with God. I could process things with God. I could write. I think he's the best counselor. If all the times I spent with a counselor, nothing beats the time when I just sat with God and be like, you know, because you can be 100, 100% raw, right, with mm-hmm. God. Like the cancer, you might put checker, but don't do that. But I was like 100% raw with God. I was able to really process emotions, and God bought up emotions I had to process. Mm. And I didn't feel like he rushed that. He didn't rush that process. Mm. He didn't be like, oh, hurry up, because we needed to. He, he walked through it with me. And then when I came out of it, it was to the glory of God. Mm. Um, uh, so. and the reason that even came up was because as soon as you mentioned um, apathy, um, it reminded me of a time that I went through that, and... Um, it, it just went from my mind completely but it was, it was almost like God was just saying like in that time where I was feeling I just feel like completely just down like don't want to get up don't want to do anything want to die kind of thing and it would literally be like what got me through it was this is me every aspect of my life is just some sort of fighting I'd fight through it with worship mm-hmm. and it felt like apathy was or, or this feeling of complete downness, not caring, not wanting to do anything, just stay in bed, sleep all day, want, wanting to die kind of thing was like a, a barrier that I had to break through. Mm-hmm. And with every moment spent in worship, for me, visualizing in my head, it was like just punching through the wall until you punch through. And that's what got me through it. But it was the, the idea that we've come so far, or I've come so far from that, that we're talking about depression that never came to mind up until you mentioned that word. And it's like, I find that interesting. That's why I ask. And for me, I think even with worship, there were times when I used to worship in church because I am very much, I tell God what my emotions are because I'm so in, like, so if I'm like, um, not feeling anything, I'll be like, God, I don't feel like I feel anything. Mm. I'll be like, God, I don't feel like I feel anything. And I will worship through it. Um, but then just because you worship once doesn't mean like you then go back, yeah, no. you know, mm. um, or just because you pray once doesn't mean you then go back to feeling like yourself. I think that like, it's a constant yeah. thing until you can mm. feel like yourself. Again. There are times I was, I'm going to sink anyway, even though I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so connected That's to exactly these words. Story, yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, but it's not, I think if people, someone can even feel like, oh my gosh, what's happening is not working. I'm mm. worshipping, but it's not being lifted mm. or it's lifted temporarily. And mm. then the next day, why mm. am I back to feeling like this mm. again? Mm. Yeah. And then they become discouraged. Maybe I didn't pray right enough. Just, just keep praying that like God is there with you. Mm. And then eventually, you know, by the grace of God, it all goes. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that, you speaking about that, it reminds me of a conversation we had one time. Who? Me and you. Okay. Remember um, when you were saying that I expect you to be better? See, Robert is very solution focused, so <laughs> you have to be careful who you talk to as well because I remember. Like, <laughs> don't talk to Robert. <laughs> not, don't talk to Robert. Not, not in a sense like don't talk to Robert. I think there was a time when, you know, I was going through a lot. My dad had just that. My, my feelings were so heavy. And Robert, bless him, he's very caring, so he almost wants to fix a solution. Mm-hmm. He's a fixer. So when you tell him something, he felt I needed a response from him. See, this is, yeah. a, this is evidence of a single person. Because I feel like people in relationships have learned that lesson. <laughs> you know, you don't always provide solutions. Like, so Robert was like, so shooting, like, with yeah. a, you know, and, and I, I remember saying to God once, I almost 
don't want to say how I feel to Robert because I felt like I had to protect him. I felt I had to guard <laughs> him from my emotions. Like, yeah. like mm. him coming up with solutions was for him because he doesn't. Because when you tell oh. someone something, <laughs> you know, in a way, because you have to process things. You know, if my friend told me something really heavy, mm. when she's gone and she feels all clear, I'm left with whatever yeah. it is that she's now told me. Mm. So to him, those solutions actually helped you because it's like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you, know, you do that? I don't think it's a, it's a married single thing. I think it's a more a girl guy thing. No, he was. No, I, I definitely focused. learned that only being by being in a relation. Like literally, my wife had to say, "Look," and I tell you something. I don't want I don't a solution. Yeah, yeah. it's a girl guy thing. And I have to tell him the same thing. And I've learned that. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think because I had to tell him quite very directly, almost because it's not so much. I wasn't trying to be rude. I just more wanted him to come off that burden, almost that feel like he had to sort it out now. Like it's okay. It was enough that he was willing to listen. Like for me, Robert was such a good friend. It was enough that he was willing to just walk with me and we just talk about something so different. Mm. It was enough that he was just willing to listen to me. Mm. But um, I think if you're solution focused, you think, what can I do to help them? And you have to understand as well, you can't do nothing. This is this person's process. You can physically be there for them, spiritually be there for them, but you can't really change them. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated that. And I wanted him to feel like, you don't have to sort it out now, and it's okay. Mm. And he learned that. And I've changed, how much I? Yeah. I've changed. He learned yeah. that. He <laughs> 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 <Well, laughs> Do I? Every now and again. I, I think do. every now and again. But sometimes it's necessary. It's, it was just in that context. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with like this whole depression of being down stuff, mm. I think we as humans. We want the person to be out of it very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Some people be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Or come out. So I think we, we, we need to give them the same grace God gives us to, mm. to process through stuff. Mm. And just be there. Mm. Even though it's, it's, cause it's, sometimes it, it's hard to, to just watch someone go through stuff. Yeah, yeah when you care about someone, and, and, yeah. And, and knowing the stuff that you can actually do to, to help them. Yeah. It's hard, but... For me, I think I just want to like maybe end on with, with regards to this, the fact that I I do believe it's something that God does deal with, and and something that if you if you look at Jesus going to pray and Bible describing him as sweating um, to the extent where it seemed like it was blood, uh, and even that the dynamic of Jesus who is God almost disagreeing with God in the sense of if this cup can be passed for me, let it pass. Like, I think the fact that our high priest, who is Christ, having gone through that, there isn't anything that he wouldn't understand. And so I do believe in the power of prayer and the power of meditation on the word and the power of God to heal us in those processes and, and to bring us out of depression if we are feeling, uh, if we are in depression, you know, if God can heal physically, and I do believe God heals physically, you know, if it's clinical depression based on hormones or whatever, I do believe God can heal that. If it's mental, God's gone through the most trialing things to be able to understand and relate um, and empathize with us. And the Bible also says to empathize, it advocates that. So I do believe in the power of prayer to, to heal us and to bring us out of that. Yeah. I think that would be a nice place to round up. Thank you guys for joining me and Peter in this conversation. You've been amazing as always. <laughs> Can you sound any more creepy with that? Anyway, um, shout out to Rude for the intro and outro music. Contact Calvin Turner for the Ordinary Amazing logo. You can find us on Twitter at The Fairness UK. Someone's asked me about the Twitter account. Um, so, no, I think Ade tweeted a, a 
about it. So shout out Ade, but I think he tweeted. Who my Ade? No, Ade from uni. Ade, Ade Solar Unites. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, tweeted about it, and I said we don't use it Twitter as much, so oh, we need start, to start jump on it. You start using no, Twitter. No, I'm, I'm having a detox from social media and stuff right now. I need to start using Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, you can find us. You can email us at tbsfurnace@hotmail.com. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash the Max Blacksmith Furnace, no apostrophe, on all good podcast websites, including iTunes, Blacksmith Furnace, we have an apostrophe. Um, Apple Music now, isn't it? Oh no, yeah. I don't care. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Forget Apple, Apple are pagans. Anyway, guys, where can we find you, if anywhere? Apple's are pagans. Sorry, I won't say that. <laughs> no, Apple, the company's a pagan. Big time. Big up my Apple phone. <laughs> so Lana, where can we find you? On social media, on Facebook, Lena Norman. On Instagram, Lena G Norman. Oh, Facebook, Lena G Norman. On my Facebook page, Lena G Norman. <laughs> <laughs> on oh. Snapchat, <laughs> Lena Norman. <laughs> the only thing I don't have is Twitter. Oh, yeah. Check out Lena's modeling pictures on. Oh my gosh, Instagram. I do not model, please. Before you be disappointed, please <laughs> 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 And I really don't model, it's just taken by Instagram babes life. <laughs> <laughs> you don't tag your photographer in your pictures. I tagged she the did first once, one. Did yeah, and I just thought people everyone. know. Um, no, you need well, to tag every tag everyone. You, you need to tag everyone and let, let them know that Robert's out here doing this stuff. Robert is out here doing this stuff. I'll tag you in the rest, Robert. I'm still playing around right now. When I, when I take it seriously, I'll let you know. It's actually way, good, the wind helped us. It did. Mm-hmm. It was it, we're fighting. Sorry, it. Angela, Sorry. where can I find you? So rude. <laughs> Um, Facebook, Angela Alicia J, Instagram, the same. Angela it. Alicia J. Yes. I'm gonna follow you on Instagram. Actually, no. On Instagram, I'm Angie Babes. Yeah. <laughs> Angie Babes. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. So she complains about the babes. <laughs> Angie <laughs> Babes. That's right. <laughs> calls me Angie Babes. That's why I'm Angie Babes on Instagram. Not right. because you're Instagram babe. No, never that. Cool. <laughs> oh, we get sidetracked people. I think it's babes with a Z. Oh, okay. okay. I was, I was wondering. Yes, we get sidetracked. Oh, one word. Yeah. Oh, yeah, found you. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, Angie this, this is the blacksmith's furnace. <laughs> Signing out. Blah. <laughs> <laughs>